This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Hockey News Podcast. It's Matt Larkin here with Ryan Kennedy, powered by BetMGM, as always. But we're going to do something a little different for this episode. Mm -hmm. We're going off the board, theoretically, because we're doing the Men's Olympic Tournament Preview. I say off the board because we're not dealing with household names, per se, with the NHLers, not in the Olympics. If you're wondering why we're doing the men and not the women, as you can see, if you're watching this, you can see our cover of our current magazine. The reason why we're doing the men's tournament, not the women, is because we feel the women's tournament, obviously, the two main competitors are pretty set. It is the most important and it's the marquee matchup of the entire tournament on the men's and women's side in the olympics but the men's bracket overall is much more wide open which is why we're doing a preview of the men's side so let's just dive into it mr kennedy let's do it we're gonna go through each group kind of likes and dislikes with each team and then an outlook and then eventually we'll sort of make our picks our appeals for who we think is going to win this tournament let's start with group a and of course we may as well we're canadian we're in canada as we record this let's start with canada give me what you like and dislike about this team on paper Okay, so starting with the likes, this is a, a pretty big team, uh, but they also augment it with skill. So, you know, like I look at guys like Eric Stahl and Mason McTavish and Jack McBain and, you know, a number of other players, and it's like, man, like they're going to be hard to, to slow down and, and to stop. And then you've got the skill guys like Josh Hosang and Jordan Wheel and David Desarnay. So you've got a really nice mixture there. I think the. Defense core has some nice mobility and a lot of different skill sets. Obviously, Owen Power is going to be one to watch. But, you know, I, I look at a guy like Mark Barbario as well, who has a lot of great pro experience and, uh, and of course, was in the NHL as well, um, where, you know, I think he's really suited to the international game and, and has sort of proven himself over in Europe uh, for quite a while now. Um, in terms of dislikes, I think the goaltending is going to be fine for the most part, but I always get a little squirrely with smaller goaltenders. And, you know, if Devin Le Levi is the guy, um, then I, I worry about when you get to a gold medal game or, you know, even a semifinal against an opponent can, that can really snipe. Otherwise, you know, you have Eddie Pasquale and Matt Tompkins who have a, a little more size, uh, but not necessarily the same pedigree. These are more your, your Euro pro guys. So it's difficult to say because we haven't seen what the skill level is at this tournament yet. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure what level of goaltending you're going to need. But, you know, if I was to look at Canada, you know, they've got the centers, they've got the size, they've got the skill, they've got the mobility. Do they have the goaltending? Maybe they do, but I can't say for sure. Yeah, I think that... Yes, yes, exactly. And I'm going to get into that as well. Uh, I, I think your assessment's bang on there. I love the balance of this team. So you do have that veteran leadership with Eric Stahl and Daniel Winnick and David Arnay. Um, and you have a little bit of upside. So Mason McTavish, also Corbin Knight having a really good season oh, in yeah. the KHL as well. I think he's third in the KHL in scoring. Josh Hosang, of course, brings that talent, the hands, the upside. And I think on this big ice, Owen Power with his skating ability could be a dominator. I think mm. this is going to be really exciting to see. It is NHL ice, though. Oh, it's in this term, it's, it's NHL ice? Yeah, they, they made it for... Because they, they thought NHLers would be there. So oh, yeah, like, that's we'll right. we'll play on NHL ice. Yeah. Either way. Because the skating, ring wasn't there before. Yes, exactly. His skating is going to be dominant either way, though. I think it's still 
whatever ice you're on, it's still going to play. For you sure. have veteran leadership with Mark Barbario and Jason Demers as well. But if you're looking at question marks, just the fact that there's, I don't, you know, we have Stephen in the peanut gallery mentioning Devin Levi. The fact that there's that uncertainty already, when it looked optic-wise like Devin Levi was going to be the starter, now it's already in question based on what Jeremy Carlton's been saying. So the fact that you don't have a guy to rely on, and I've always been a proponent of in major high-stakes tournaments, playoffs, elimination games, you don't want a goaltender who's looking over his shoulder, not knowing mm. if he's going to be starting the next period, let alone the next game, right? So I don't think Canada settled on one guy, and I think that's a problem. But like you said, it, it's, it's tough to know, and we don't know what the talent level is going to be in this tournament. Yeah. So if you're trying to summarize Canada overall... What's, what's your general take on this team? If someone asks you, how are you feeling about Canada? I would say that, you know, this is a gold medal contender. And again, it's going to be such an interesting tournament because of the rosters and the, the sort of X factors all around. But, you know, when I look at Canada's roster versus most of the other rosters, I, I definitely see a, a team that can win it all. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think they are... It's funny, when we found out that NHLers weren't going to be going, I wasn't uh, particularly bullish on Canada, but now that we've seen the way that they've constructed this team, I'm more confident than I would have been, would have expected to be. So mm. I think this is one of the better teams in the tournament on paper. I really like the balance. Um, so I, I put them in the top tier for sure. Now let's go to Team USA. Staying in that group, uh, maybe I'll go first for this one. If you, sure. it, it's you know the idea that they're going for this sort of miracle on ice thing. Obviously, they've gone very very young with Matty Beniers and Matthew Nee, Nick Abrazzesi. I think the idea of an tournament where anything can go and there's like you said I really like the way you put it we don't know what the overall skill level is going to be maybe a team of youth and fresh legs is actually going to play really well mm -hmm. that to me is the upside of this team USA if we're looking at the downside obviously Jake Sanderson is going to be a really important piece we know that he's been delayed getting there because of COVID we don't know when he's going to arrive if he's going to arrive and once he's there just with the way China has been treating the athletes in this tournament I don't think there's a guarantee I don't think we can say with confidence we know he's going to be playing in this tournament mm -hmm. some people believe so I don't think we can def we can definitely say that yet and if you don't have him I think it's a huge blow to that blue line uh, and I also think that this U.S. team yes it's cool that they've gone with the youth but I like the way Canada did it with youth but also some veteran experience you don't have a lot of NHL like real veteran NHL you know I'm talking 500 plus games type of experience on this yeah. team Justin Applicator there's been some debate over whether he's playing or not like he was believed to be a taxi squad guy then he's in a team photo or it looks like he's front and center so maybe you're gonna have Justin Applicator as your leader he's the most experienced guy of the group but other than that I, I think this team is really lacking for experience so I see that as a potential downside they may have gone too far skewing toward youth right. what do you think likes and dislikes yeah I would uh, I would agree with you uh, you know starting with the likes I think something that I really appreciate appreciate about this team is the offensive capabilities they have. And, you know, you mentioned Beniers and Abrazzese, uh, also Brendan Brisson. I mean, that kid can snipe. And, you know, I look at that USA roster and it's like, okay, well, if you need offense, you've got a lot of options. And I, I do also appreciate that as young as they are, They've got some really accomplished, like, shutdown slash defensive players. Like, you look at Brock Faber, the LA Kings prospect, uh, still at the University of Minnesota. He is a fantastic defenseman. And then you look at Nathan Smith, the Winnipeg Jets pick, who's at Minnesota State. Amazing two-way center. So, you know, you've got the great offense, but you do have guys that can play 200-foot games as well. 
in terms of dislikes, I'm on the same page as you. Uh, it's really cool to see how young they are, but it's like, man, they are really young, you know, with the exception of a couple of players. You know, Aaron Ness is another guy that uh, has a lot of pro experience and has played in the NHL. But, you know, I look at this team and it's like, again, you know, goaltending. Uh, Drew Camesso still at Boston University. He's a Chicago pick. Uh, but then you have Strauss Mann, uh, who has been probably the best goalie in the SHL this year or one of them. Um, so, you know, you have options. But again, Strauss Mann is like six foot flat, you know, at best. Um, so does he have the size to pull it off? You know, it hasn't been a problem in the SHL, and that is one of the best leagues in Europe, so maybe it's fine. Uh, but they are really young, and I, you know, I wonder what that means when it gets to a pressure situation, when you need somebody to step up and you need somebody to sort of settle things down. Now, does Coach David Quinn just sort of take on that role? That, that to me, is the X factor. For sure. And I think X factor is kind of a way to describe this team in general. If you're kind of giving a, a forecast for the general outlook. I think the forecast would be one of those cop-out forecasts on the on the news where you see like a sun, a thunderbolt, and a cloud. Right. I think Team USA has the widest range of outcomes in this tournament. Yes. Because we know there's a lot of talent on paper. We have no idea how it's going to work together if the, these kids are going to be ready. Maybe they'll surprise everyone and this will be the most dynamic team in the tournament. Yeah. Or maybe just playing against a bunch of experienced teams with more veterans and NHL seasoned guys, they could struggle. So yeah. I could see them going all the way. I could see them not even getting out of this group mm. I think they're you know what actually that's fair uh, because we're going to talk about Germany in a second and uh, you know they're not going to be pushovers so I think that's a fair assessment I think this is a team can they win gold maybe maybe they can um, I think a medal would be the sort of easiest way to put it. I, I think they should win a medal or at least play for a medal but having said that, yeah, I, I don't think it's a guarantee. Yeah, fair assessment. Um, and also because of our feelings on Germany, so we're going to get to Germany next in this mm. group. Obviously, we know they had that magical run in 2018. They got the silver medal. They're returning 10 players from that team, and they're returning coach Marco Stern. Mm. So we know that there's some carryover in terms of just the spirit of this team. Uh, but tell me what you like and dislike about the Germans. Well, I, I like that team cohesiveness. And, you know, on top of the, you know, the 10 that you mentioned, just in general, you know, you've seen the same guys on the national teams, whether it's the Olympics or just the World Championship. You've seen a lot of the same names. And, you know, I'm looking at guys like Marcel Nobles and Stefan Leubel and, you know, Tobias Reeder and Frederick Tiffels. You know, they have a lot of players that just know each other very well. And, you know, overall, it's, it's not a dynamic team, but it's definitely a team that can grind out a lot of wins. And, you know, if you look back at that silver medal team, I mean, they weren't a dynamic squad, but they got the job done. And I think that the Germans have an identity. And in a tournament like this, I think that's a, a really crucial step for them. Um, in terms of dislikes, you know, like I said, like I don't see a lot of goal scoring power there. And... If they were to get into a track meet, they'd probably lose it. So if Germany's not able to play their game, they could get in trouble. But having said that, if they can establish themselves uh, again, you know, against one of the North American powers, I mean, who's to say that they couldn't even upset Canada? You know, this is a team that knows each other a lot better than the Canadians do. So I wouldn't count the Germans out. I think they're going to be pretty scrappy and if they can put together a little run, I think they could be dangerous. 
Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And, you know, it, it's interesting. When the tournament had NHLers, you look at certain nations, that, that, like Germany, for example, that probably wasn't going to be able to fill out an entire team of NHLers, mm -hmm. and that's a disadvantage. Now, the playing field is, is much closer to being level, and you have certain teams that were going to be at a disadvantage that might be at an advantage because totally. the Germans... Now, if you have half a dozen NHL-caliber players, that might be more than a lot of other teams in the tournament. So you mentioned Tobias Reeder, Dominic Cahoon as well, Tom Kuhnhackel. Uh, and on defense, of course, you're going to have Corbinian Holzer. So I think if you're looking at the forwards, first of all, that's a pretty experienced group. And you mentioned Neubels, Matthias Plakta as well. I think this is a group that is, I think, is deeper than at least half the teams in the tournament at yeah. forward. Uh, and in goal, Matthias Niederberger was tremendous in his most recent World Championship. He's won everything there is to win in the German League as well. So he's, I think, the type of goaltender that has the ability to steal games as well. So I do see some sleeper potential here. If you're looking at the downside, it is a tough draw being in the same group as Canada and the USA. I know it's not real Canada and USA, but they still are drawing from greater talent pools than mm. most of the other nations. And I'm not overwhelmed by the quality of the German D. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to handle the speed, the skating, mm. especially of the Americans, but also Canada has enough talent there too. I don't know if that D core can keep up. A guy like Corbinian Holzer probably is going to be playing the most minutes of any German player on that D because of his NHL experience, but he's not a burner. He's a big, strong yeah. boy, right? Yeah. Um, and Moritz Mueller is going to be one of the leaders, I'm sure, as well. But overall, I I'm not blown away. Um, if you're looking at your general outlook, where do you place... Germany in this group? Do you think they're a sleeper or do you think they're squarely in the number three spot? I, I think they're a sleeper uh, because there is so much uncertainty in this tournament and because they have a lot more cohesiveness than a, you know, a lot of their opponents. Um, I, I mean, really, like if you look at this grouping and, you know, we'll talk about China next. I mean, German, the Germans know each other better than any of these teams. Uh, and I think that's a, a pretty big advantage. So I, I would say they're a sleeper. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's to me, I, won't, I don't want to say a coin flip, but I wouldn't be remotely surprised if they pushed the Americans and ended up taking the second spot in this group. I have them in the U.S. pretty even in my mm. mind, maybe more even than most people would, would think. So I would call them definitely a tournament sleeper. Uh, and now, of course, you know, we don't have to go into great detail with China, but we should touch on them a little bit. Um, I think if we're looking at a maybe for a team like this, one of the minnows of the tournament, we'll just sort of give an overarching outlook. To me, if you're looking at China... You know, I think there's at least something to be said for the fact they did not go with a pure homegrown team. They have 11 Canadians, they have seven Americans, one Russian, six homegrown players. Mm. So to me, so you've got players like Brandon Yip and Spencer Fu, Ryan Sproul, got the big shot, Jeremy Smith and Net. So I, I think you can at least say that they're going to lose games 6-2, not 20 nothing. Yeah. And that, that's, that's good. They're not going to be utterly humiliated. I think they're probably still going to be the worst team in the tournament, but it's not going to be a, a total clown show. Yeah, I would say, you know, the team that benefited the most from NHLers not being there is certainly China for the reasons you just mentioned. Because, you know, like Brandon Yip played in the NHL. You know, Ryan Sproul played a bit in the NHL. And, you know, I mean, for me, like, it's a shame. The whole situation's a shame because, you know, we expected more from China in terms of development in the past decade. Uh, you know, we saw a lot of investment and interest uh, from people in China. And it's, it just hasn't panned out. You know, and the international community, I know, has tried to aid that development, especially Russia and the KHL, and it just hasn't happened. And, you know, the, the Chinese women uh, have been more competitive for longer. But with the men, you know, with this team, it's like, is there any point to it, really? Mm -hmm. Like, as you mentioned, like, most of the players aren't from China, and a lot of them don't even have Chinese heritage. Um, you know, like 
Jake Chelios and Dennis Osipov and you know some of the Canadians you mentioned. So it's kind of like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, in, instead of being like thirty-five nothing, it, it'll be six-two. Right, and, but you're not growing the game in the same sense. If you have six homegrown, you're not players, inspiring anybody. Yeah, it's yeah. almost like it's a, it's a dream internship for the six homegrown players to learn the game with other more experienced guys. Yeah, but that's, that's not going to advance. No, the they're going to be watching. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Um, so now let's go to Group B, and what a history of of renaming at the Olympics. You have if you tra- if you look at the history of the Russians, you know, the Soviet Union, the USSR, the C- CIS, I believe, in one yep, of the Olympics, CIS, yep. straight up Russia. Oh, Olympic athletes from Russia, and now the Russian Olympic Committee. What a journey. The Rock. Yeah, now we're the, the Rock. Uh, so let's get to them. Obviously, they're defending phantom gold medal champions in this <laughs> alternate universe, this, this yeah. Doctor Strange separate timeline uh, where they're the best hockey nation in the world, according to the Olympics. Um, but what do you like and dislike about this team? Well, you know, I like some of the forwards they have. They got some big boys. Uh, you know, Mikhail Gregorenko, obviously, uh, Dmitry Voronkov, uh, the Columbus pick, and then, of course, another Blue Jackets prospect, Kirill Marchenko, where you have this great blend of size and uh, skill and power. And, you know, the player that will be the most interesting to watch is Vadim Shipachev, uh, who obviously washed out of the NHL a couple of times and uh, struggled at the the past Olympics as well. Uh, but he is always held up as that like the best Russian outside of the NHL, which I'm a little dubious of, obviously. Um, but you know, I think this will be a big tournament for him to reprove himself once more. Um, as per always, you know, I'm suspect of the Russian defense. You know, they have some names like Voinov and Nikita Nesterov. But just in general, Russia has really struggled producing high-end blue liners over the years. And I, I could see that being a, a big weak point for them. It probably doesn't impact them too much in the, in the pool. Um, although, you know, it's a very interesting pool that they're in. Uh, but, you know, medal round, I would worry about them being too easy uh, to penetrate. And in net, I think they'll be okay. They got great net mining in the, the past Olympics. I don't know if they have the same upside with guys like Fedotov. Um, but I think they'll be, they, they should be okay in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still think even if, it's almost like, because you see certain Russian players flop when they go to the NHL, it's almost easy to, to see them through this negative lens and, mm-hmm. and underestimate their ability. But when you're putting them in this tournament when they're against not nearly as many NHL players yeah. and they're playing with a lot of their own countrymen, their own teammates from their leagues, I think it's easy to underestimate how effective they're going to be. And I still believe that the Russians have the best talent pool to draw from in the tournament. You're still bringing in Nikita Gusev, who was a major uh, contributor at the last Olympics, Anisimov. Also, Arseny Gritsiak, who I've heard a lot of scout comparisons to a Kirill Kaprizov type of development where he's a late bloomer. He's starting to score a lot at his level. He he wasn't perceived as a major prospect, but he's quickly rising up the ranks. I think Mm -hmm. he's a major name to watch in this tournament. And it's similar to Tony D'Angelo in the NHL. You don't have to like him to admit that he's useful. Uh, Slava Voynov. Obviously, mm. we know a lot about his horrible history, but he's going to be anchoring this D, and we know he can play. So mm. he's a plus to have on the team from a pure hockey standpoint. Um, 
I, th I agree with you overall, though. The decor, if you look at the skewing of NHL talent and or NHL caliber talent, it's obviously stronger on the forward side. I'm not blown away by this decor. And in net, to me, it's a confusing setup. I know it was Vasily Kosechkin the last time, yeah. and you mentioned Fedotov, but there's also Alexander Samanov, who was the dominant one at the world at the most recent World Championship, 944 save percentage. So at least my understanding, and Stephen, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know if this net is actually settled yet. You also mm. have Timur Bilialov. I'm, hopefully I pronounced his name correctly. Um, but I, I don't think there's a definite slam dunk number one goaltender right. and as I said for Canada I think that's always a problem if you don't have someone you know you're relying on throughout this entire tournament so I think if there's a weakness to exploit it could be in net uh, but most likely on defense mm. but where are you putting Russia in the the grand scheme of things is this still the favorite to repeat well I mean I think they should win their group and I think they should play for a medal uh, I really think it depends on who they end up playing in, say, the quarterfinal or even the semifinal that will determine how far they go. But they certainly have the capability to win gold. Yeah, I don't think we would call them a, a pure juggernaut. It's not their tournament to lose, but right. I think they're going to be one of the best teams in the tournament, if not the best. And they might win a lot of games like 5-2 instead of winning games 2-1, mm. right? So they're going to use their firepower. Uh, next up in this group, it's interesting. So the Czech Republic, the nomenclature, some people are calling them Chechia now, but yeah. I've read that Czechs don't call them themselves Chechia as a nation. They're still the Czech Republic, so I'm not sure what we should call them for the purpose of this preview. The I Czech guess. Republic for this tournament. Yeah, Czech Republic. Okay. okay, there you go. At the World Juniors, they were Czechia for yeah, some so reason. Yeah, so, so Czechia. Sure. I said Chechia. I'm thinking of Chechnya. Yeah. Yeah, see, it's all confusing to me. Um, but if you break down the likes and dislikes of, of the Czechs, you know, to me, what's fascinating about this team is they probably have the best player in the tournament, which is David Krejci, right? In terms of how recently was this player an effective NHLer right. last year, right? And he, he left because he wanted to leave. He was yeah. still capable of centering a really good second line in Boston with Taylor Hall. So to me, in terms of still firing in all cylinders, you can make a case Krejci is the best player in the tournament. We know Michael Frolik, he's still being a fringe NHL player the last couple of years. He could still play. Vladimir Sabatka, a lot of experience as well. Yeah. Roman Cervenka, another one of those guys who is, he's remembered as a flop, and same with Jan Kovar, but overseas in Europe, they've been really effective. In yeah. the KHL, and now both are really good players in the Swiss League. So mm -hmm. I still think, in terms of overall breadth of experience, you have a decent forward group. Um, but at the same time, the Czechs are a pretty old team. And this seems to be a thing, like going back to Peter Nedved, like the, the, the Czechs, their best older player, their, their best forwards seem to be pretty old. Their decor doesn't blow me away. Um, and goaltending, it, obviously it's not a star-studded group. I believe it's going to be Simon Hrubeck is going to, is going to be the starter because he was dominant with Avangard Omsk last year in the mm. Gagarin Cup. And it, it was a 9.53 save percentage in 18 games. That's not a minuscule sample size. Nope. But again, still a relative unknown compared to some of the other goaltenders we're going to see in this tournament. Um, but again, I'm, I'm not blown away by the checks, but I think there's plenty to like. What do you see in terms of strengths and weaknesses? Yeah, obviously the experience is a big one with Krejci and Frolik. And, you know, I, you look at the roster and I, I think defense is a little underwhelming. You're not getting a lot of name recognition there. And and as you mentioned, you know, the, their best players tend to skew older. Um, you know, it's, I, I, it is kind of a shame that David Juracek got injured uh, because you know, he might be the first defenseman off the board in the 2022 draft. And I think he would have made this squad and he would have been dynamic. And unfortunately, he's out long term with an injury, so they don't have that luxury. But, you know, I think the Czechs are going to be 
decent. I think this pool is very kind of up in the air because you have a lot of teams that are pretty similar. Um, they're going to have to be a cohesive unit because they don't have a lot of high-end sniping talent right now. Um, and they do have a lot of players that are kind of just, you know, good European players. So it, it's not like a, an eye-popping roster in my mind, uh, but I think they'll be pretty decent. And, you know, if they were the second team to come out of the pool along with Russia, I certainly wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. I have them as the number two team in this group, but not by a landslide. But yeah. They look like a competitive enough group. I like their forwards overall. I think their goaltending is going to be a strength. Um, and the D to me is pretty underwhelming. Uh, what about Switzerland? So they do have some NHL talent on this team, but tell me what you like and dislike about the Swiss. Well, you know, this is a team that uh, kind of similar to the Germans where they know each other really well. You know, you look at Christoph Berchi and Gregory Hoffman and Fabian Herzog and Gaetan Haas, um, you know, Mirko Mueller on the back end. Like this is a team where they they have a lot of national experience together and again, the Swiss have an identity, and if they play to it, they're really hard to beat. And we've seen this a number of times internationally where on paper they weren't the stronger team, but they got the result because they grind and they can punish and they can be, you know, pretty uh, structured. So overall, I like what I'm seeing there. You get, you know, you got Rito Berra as one of their goaltenders, who obviously has NHL experience. They have some pretty decent depth in net. Nothing mind blowing, but you know they've got some options there, which is always nice. So I think this is a pretty well rounded team uh, in terms of a, a dislike. I don't see a ton of scoring punch, but having said that, you know, I mean, guys like Hoffman and Birchie are like decent in that regard. And again, with this pool. Maybe they are snipers, yeah. you know? I mean, you know, you're, you're not seeing the McDavid's and McKinnon's of the world in this tournament, so maybe it is enough. Um, but it, doesn't, it, it certainly doesn't jump off the page for me. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. To me, I could see this being one of the better defensive teams in the tournament because they actually are pretty experienced. They also have Rafael Diaz and Yannick Weber. Yeah. Pretty long in the tooth, both of them, I guess. But again, just relative to the talent pool of this tournament, they've sort of been there, seen it all, right? They've played a lot of NHL games. Um, and I did. I believe I saw a stat that there's, I think it's one player on the Swiss team that doesn't have a teammate of his on the team, a teammate from his club team. So yeah. I, I do think there's a good argument to be made in terms of cohesiveness. So if we're summarizing the Swiss, you know, they're not, you know, we're not spending a ton of time on them because they're obviously not in the real contender tier at the moment. But I could see this being a team that if they get good enough goaltending, they could grind out some two-one games, that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? I, I, I'm I'm comfortable calling them a sleeper in this tournament. Uh, I also wanted to mention the fantastically named Ramon Untersunder. Um, because they have that familiarity and because they have so much international experience, I could see them be I could see them coming out of this group. I could see them giving other teams a lot of difficulty. Mm -hmm. And to, to round out this group, maybe Steven's going to make fun of me. We've debated this a little bit already, um, that I'm too high on Denmark. And high on Denmark is a little bit of a stretch. But I don't know. I've got a little attachment to these guys. Mm. Maybe it's because it's their first Olympics. They've yeah. been in the IIHF since 1946. And they finally made it. So 75 years, I guess it was, in terms of when they qualified. Mm. And I don't know whether I have just... I'm rooting for them because of this a little emotional, uh, just kind of carrot that they're chasing now. Yeah. But... Give me your likes and dislikes for the Danes. Okay, well, I mean, this is a team, you know, you talk about familiarity. 
you know, you have Franz Nielsen, Michael Bodker, Peter Regan, Nicholas Jensen. These are guys that have literally known each other for and played with each other off and on for like 20 years. Um, and, you know, Heinz Ehlers is a longtime coach there. There's so much because it's a small hockey community. The players know each other so well. And, you know, we've seen them have, have some success at the World Championship. And obviously qualifying for the Olympics is a big feather in their cap. But, you know, when I look at this team, I see a group that really knows who they are. And, you know, do they have enough? I mean, most of their best players are in their late 30s at this point, or at least in their, you know, sort of mid 30s or even early 30s. Um, so they are kind of at the, the tail end of their careers, but there's a familiarity that, you know, you cannot discount. And do they have the high end? Not sure. Um, you know, they don't have obviously any Olympic experience, but they do have a lot of international experience together. Um, so it's going to be a close knit group. They're going to know who they are and uh, it'll be interesting to see what they can do. For sure. And, and I do think it's important as you have to stress uh, the cohesiveness, because in this tournament, it's not even the same as it would be as if, it, if it was all NHLers. It was like, oh, we're not teammates, but you know, we play in the same division. I've played against you. I played against you ten times a year. Yeah. We might be at the same events. We might have the same agent. Whereas on some of these teams in the Olympics, it might be, well, I don't even play in the same country as you, mm. you know, uh, in terms of during the season, right? Yeah. So players that have good chemistry, I think, I think that's an advantage that matters more in this type of tournament. Um, and there's just certain players that might have some juice on this team. So, so Marcus Lauritsen, you have Oliver Lauritsen, who's the big behemoth, but Marcus Lauritsen had seven points in three qualifier games. He's going to bring a lot of offense from the back end. And Sebastian Dom was, of course, the hero goaltender of the qualifiers. So there could be some momentum there, too. I know it sounds strange to say momentum when it was months ago, but right. just in terms of this team's identity and this team's self-belief, yeah. uh, and you do have, like you said, Bodker and Nielsen, so you have some leadership in those players. And I'm not saying that the Danes are going to be a juggernaut by any means, but I don't think they're... I don't think it's fair to throw them in the in the in the bargain bin with For sure. with China and Slovakia or, yeah. or, or Latvia. I, I think they're in the next tier up, even though according to odds makers they're near the bottom. Mm. Um, but to me, I, I wouldn't rule them out as a deep deep sleeper. Now let's go to Group C. Uh, and I know there's a lot of people that are feeling Finland in this tournament. So let's start mm. with them. Give me your breakdown, likes and dislikes of the Finns. Well, you know, internationally, you can never count out the Finns because, again, this is a team with an identity. And, you know, they're a low-scoring team with great structure. Um, you know, Yuka Yelonen is a very experienced coach, so I think that's that's nice for them. But, you know, you got guys like Leo Komarov and Saku Manalainen and uh, Marcus Granlund. You know, you have a lot of players that can do a lot lot of different things and I think this is going to be one of those tough out teams um, you know Finland they always come to play they've got that Sisu spirit that they always talk about again you know we've said this with a lot of teams I don't see a lot of scoring punch here um, and that could come back to bite them in the end but for the most part this is a team that's going to be very happy playing 2-1 games for the most part because they know they can win those games and so I, I think you know particularly on the nhl ice where you know players don't have anywhere to hide finland plays a game where you know they can be physical they can be tough on the forecheck they can be right on you um and and they're comfortable playing those tight games so i think this is going to be a very dangerous team 
Yeah, and especially in a normal best-on-best tournament when they're a little bit deficient in terms of total NHL coverage on their roster, or at least high-end NHLers, they still manage to always overachieve, those pesky mm. Finns, right? I always say they're the best hockey nation in the world pound for pound. Relative to population, their consistency meddling in various tournaments, uh, to me, they're the pound for pound champ. Uh, and now in this tournament, they actually have one of the larger NHL caliber contingents, so that might even give them a greater advantage. Uh, like you said, it's not all big time scorers, whether it's Valtteri Filippola, it's Marcus Granlin, not Mikhail Granlin. Marcus right. is not the scorer. Leo Komarov is obviously a blunt instrument. Yeah. You have that one all star season, if you want to call it that. Obviously, Sammy Vatanen is going to be able to move the puck from the back end. Um, and But it's interesting, you know, we say we don't believe they have firepower, but to your earlier point where we don't really know what sniping is going to be in this tournament, if you look at Sakari Manin and, and, and Timu Hartikainen, they are both having some pretty outstanding goal-scoring production the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So maybe in this tournament, that's going to make them two of the better, more dangerous scorers. Maybe. If you're shooting on Edward Pesco, or not, that would be in a later round, but an example that's in their own group, if you're shooting on a goaltender that you know, isn't a dominant NHL or maybe yeah. that's going to be something that translates very well. So I do think in terms of depth and overall just uh, roster cohesiveness and defensive play, I think even their forwards are good two-way forwards. So to me, this is my pick to be the best defensive team in the tournament. But if you're giving an overall outlook, do you consider, consider the Finns the favorite in this group? You know what? I think I do. And uh, this is the team that I would not want to play in the medal round uh, if I was an opponent. I definitely think the Finns... Uh, Probably should medal. I, I would go. I would go that far. They should medal. Yeah, I agree with you. I probably rank them as my number three team in the tournament, uh, and I think they're the favorite for this group. And I would bet on them to medal as well. Uh, but obviously, nipping at their heels will be Sweden. Mm. Um, maybe a more of an underwhelming roster than you expect, just from Sweden being such a consistently powerful hockey nation. Just mm. I, it was one of those I had to kind of double take looking at the roster. It's like Mark, Marcus Kruger, Jacob Delarose, Anton Lander might be some of their go-to forwards. Yeah. Eh. I'm a little underwhelmed. I actually think that Sweden is one of the nations that got hurt the most, if oh, not totally. the most. Just for whatever reason, based on their configuration, yeah. they, it's obviously it's always cyclical, right? But their depth is not what it was maybe a few years ago, and that'll, I'm sure, be replenished. It's still a really strong hockey nation. But they just got caught in a weird cycle where what they have that's not NHL caliber is just kind of underwhelming to me. Um, I do think... Eric Gustafson is going to make an impact on D because he's not removed, not far removed at all from being a viable NHLer. He'll mm-hmm. help their power play. And Lars Johansson is pretty much a star in the KHL. So I think he might be in the discussion for best goaltender in the tournament. I think he could be a difference maker. Uh, but what's your overall assessment of the Swedes? Yeah, I was kind of like let down uh, by the roster. And I was kind of joking that they have a lot of guys that I thought were going to be really good NHLers that turned out not to be like Lander and Della Rose. Um, you know, I would say Lucas Volmark is interesting and he's definitely had his moments uh, in his career. The defense core is very kind of pedestrian to me. Uh, I would have liked to see, you know, you, you talked about them getting caught in a bad cycle there in terms of, you know, they have so many, they have NHL stars that they can't use. And then even like a guy like Lucas Raymond, one of their, their young stars, Obviously busy in the NHL as well. Uh, I would like to see them take like Simon Edmondson. I was going to say that's exactly you know like bring you know it's like Canada's bringing Owen Power um, and you know the USA is bringing Jake Sanderson. Bring Simon Edmondson. You know I mean that kid's got so much upside and uh, and obviously has been playing against men for a couple of years now, but uh, alas they did not. So you know I think this is going to be they'll be fine Mm -hmm. I guess and it'll be interesting to see if they can um, come out of this group. Because I think 
when you initially looked at this group, it's like, oh, okay, it's going to be Sweden and Finland. But again, with no NHLers, it's like, well, you know what? I, I think we have at least have to consider that Sweden might have to fend off some challengers there mm-hmm. for that second spot. And I do think they got really lucky with this group draw. I think mm-hmm. overall, this is probably the weakest group. Mm-hmm. And if they had, so, you know, Slovakia and Latvia, if they had a Germany or a Switzerland sure. as their, or Denmark, shout out Denmark. Shout out Denmark. <laughs> I don't know why am I on this Denmark train? I don't know why. Maybe they don't even win a game, but we'll see. But I think they're lucky that, the, to me, Slovakia and Latvia are two of the worst teams in the field. Maybe if, obviously China's going to be the worst, but I probably put those as the next two weakest on paper right now. So I think they're going to survive this group. Mm. But if they were with different teams, I don't know if they would. I think they're underwhelming. Uh, But let's get to Slovakia, especially because you're talking about Simon Edvinson. Obviously, Slovakia is going the young route because Mm. Simon Menich is projected to be a high pick. So to me, that just brings a fun factor. I don't know if this team is going to be good, but at least they're trying something different. They have Thomas Yurko as well, Marco Dano. Two players that I think a decade ago looked like they're going to be better prospects than they turned out to be. But there's at least some skill there. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Like, Slovakia is one of the teams I want to watch because on top of Simon, Simon Namich, they also have Juraj Slavkovsky. Uh, so you're looking at two top 10 2022 NHL draft prospects on the same team. And Nemich uh, has been amazing this season, uh, playing for HK Nitra in Slovakia. He's putting up a ton of points from the blue line. And that's not the only thing he does. I mean, he's just a really great all-around defenseman, but he's putting up these great numbers. And then Slavkovsky, he's a power forward in the making. He actually got suspended not long ago for a hit to the head, which was... uh, it was not a good one, uh, but you like to see the aggression from a teenager playing against men, uh, you know, over in Europe. Um, so for me, you know, that's kind of must see TV. And you know, with the rest of the team, it's like, ah, eh, you know, they might be okay. Uh, I think the goaltending is going to be all right, mm-hmm. um, but. For me, it's all about Slavkovsky and Nemich because, you know, obviously I love the prospects, but I also think they're two of the more dynamic players on that team. And even though they're the youngest, I think they could have uh, quite the impact. Right. Am I crazier? Did I say Manich? I think I said You might have. It's like my, when my daughter, my daughter does that, it's really cute. She mixes up her M's and N's. So she ah. says like, Ren- remember instead of remember. Yeah. So I think I did that. I think I did that with uh, with Namich. Uh, okay, at the bottom of this group, we have Latvia. They were a fun, plucky story in 2014. Everyone, everyone will remember the, the Christos Gozlewski's run, right? Uh, but that again, that was eight years ago. He's technically on the team, but he's not going to be making an impact. Um, do we see any upside here? Uh, again, you'll recognize a couple of names, Kasper's mm-hmm. Dogovins, Ronald Kennans. But to me, I'm not seeing a lot of sleeper you know, David versus Goliath potential in this franchise or, or nation. Yeah, it's going to be tough because they're in a pool where no one's going to overlook them because I don't think there's enough stratification uh, for a team to take them lightly. You know, because Sweden, you got Sweden and Finland, um, you know, Slovakia obviously is going to want to at least, you know, win that game against Latvia. Um, you know, and they've got some guys like, you know, the ones you mentioned, and, you know, Martin's Jerzkals as well. Um, you know, I've always liked Renard's Krastenbergs, um, you know, not as a high end player, but just as a guy that plays physical and can kind of mix things up. They've got a lot of players like that that, you know, are, have some versatility, but there's there's not a lot of high end there. Uh, so, you know, I think Latvia is going to struggle to score. And, 
you know, I, I don't think they necessarily have the depth. I think, you know, they're not going to be fun to play against, which is at least something. Um, but I would suspect that they'll probably struggle. All right. Yeah, I agree. Um, so now let's let's settle on our tournament winner, or at least a gold medal game. Tell me who's winning the gold medal and who's winning the silver. Okay. Well, I think it's going to be a Canada-Finland final I think Canada will pull it off uh, because of the size and skill they have up front. I feel they're the sort of team that can break through defenses. Uh, and then I'm going to say, just as a bonus, that I think the bronze is at least going to be contested by a sleeper team that we're not thinking of, whether it's Switzerland or Germany uh, or even Denmark. Uh, I think there's going to be there's going to be an upset. Um, in the semifinal, uh, so be I, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair prediction. Uh, I, I have Finland narrowly losing out in a, in a semifinal match, so I, I have uh, the Rock Russian Olympic Committee. At, the Rock. Yeah, I think I have them beating Canada in the final. Mm-hmm. I just think overall talent level, it's still Russia's tournament to lose. Um, but I really do like the way Canada has constructed its roster, even compared to the 2018 games. I think this team has potential to, to go all the way. So I think it could be close. It could go either way. And I still maintain, if there's one team that can completely blow up the bracket, it's, it's the U.S. They're mm-hmm. the most unpredictable team in the tournament. I also think the Germans are a team that could blow things up again. Sure. Because obviously they showed in the last tournament, and I think they're at least as good on paper as they were in 2018. But I'll say Russia and you say Canada. I think those are both viable predictions so let's get to the listener mailbag we have a couple questions that are international related we want to stick with the theme Mm -hmm. the first one is from scott baker scott wants to know what international rule would you adopt for the nhl and what about the other way around Mm -hmm. so yes and i've written that down uh as my my pick but there is a misconception people believe that the ihf rules are steadfast against head contact that it's zero tolerance it's not true if you go to the rule book incidental head contact is allowed Mm. if if there's the head's not targeted and it gets hit that's in the rule book it's not called a penalty so i want to clear up that misconception there is not a zero tolerance policy in the ihf Mm. that said the rules are far more detailed. Like the head contact rule list, it's like it's a, it's a, you could print it out as a scroll. So I think that would still increase safety. It's not an absolute. It wouldn't eliminate head contact, but it would increase it because there are more definitions of what constitutes illegal mm. head contact. So that, I would take, grab that and cut it and paste it into Rule 48.1 in the mm. NHL rule book. So that's my IHF to NHL. Mm. And for NHL to IHF, hey, shootouts, see ya. In elimination games, yeah. continuous overtime. No, sorry, you're out. You're out, shootouts. <laughs> Fire you into the sun. There you go. Okay, so for me, um, I'm going to say, because I prefer the NHL game to the international game. Uh, and when, you know, when it comes to contact, I think that double IHF refs tend to just penalize any hit that a crowd responds to uh, or that they can hear, which I don't appreciate. Um so I'm going to say the rule change would be national anthem after the game and only the winning country. Uh, let's just get this thing going. We don't need to hear both anthems at the beginning. Uh, anthem for the winner after the game, uh, especially because I'm pretty sure the finish anthem is like 38 seconds long. Every time I've heard it, I'm like, oh, it's done. All right, nice. We can move on. We can get on with our lives, do our interviews as professional media people. So I would do, that would be my change. Uh, and then the other way around, smaller ice. The big ice, 
It's for the birds. Slows offense down because defense defensemen can take better angles. Yeah. Uh, it's just boring. Yeah, you I know, agree. like I mean, when you're at the Olympics or like a World Championship, obviously, you know, if you're playing on the international ice, you have the excitement of the pressure. But in terms of gameplay, like the NHL is so much further ahead. Yes, uh, because you got nowhere to hide. The game is so much faster and uh, so much more physical. So that's my call. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. I think that's. That's absolutely bang on. And I love the national anthem thing. Imagine, like, you know, uh, let's say there's a Stanley Cup final game that's decided, like, in Philadelphia, and, and it's game seven, and the Canadian team scores in overtime. And yes. The, and the Philadelphia fans are throwing beer on the ice. It's like, oh, Canada. And you have to stand <laughs> there. the fastest like, version oh ever. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. Love it. Yeah. Okay, next question. Is from, this, is a, this man is a human tongue twister. Jonathan Waro. Mm. W-A-R-W-R-O-W. Mm. That's a lot of W's, Jonathan. Uh, you got more W's than Cy Young. Hey-o. Hey-o. Uh, what, what's a type of World Cup of Hockey format that you would want to see? Well, Jonathan, it just so happens that in the current issue of the Hockey News, which has the Detroit Red Wings prospects on the cover, I'll plug my cover story, Mort Sider, Lucas Raymond, Alex Delkovic. that's the cover story. But in that issue, I do have a column breaking down what I would do for the World Cup. Mm. So I have an answer prepared for you, Jonathan. Uh, I have three major changes I'd make to, okay. to, to this World Cup, okay? So the problem with Team North America, it was the most memorable part of the tournament. It's the part that everyone will remember. Yeah. But when you were drawing from 23 and under, you were getting too many players that were clearly good enough to be on their actual nations. So you were ruining the best-on-best best element. Like mm. You didn't have Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, whoever it was, playing on those teams. Um, or, yeah, Nathan McKinnon and so on. To me... I would make Team North America still play in the tournament, but it's an under-20 Team North America. So you'd still get a couple exceptions. So Matthews actually in 2016 would have been a teenager. But for the most part, you would get, you know, 95% of the players that should be on the national teams are on the national teams. And then you get this kind of fun factor. You're getting a Canada-USA mixed world junior team. Mm. Imagine that put together, right? That would be pretty cool. Um, So the best under-20 from two different countries. And the tournament field is 10 now. So you have eight actual nations. Team Europe's out the window. I don't want this melting pot in terms of just you're lo- you're taking away two nations ability to just compete in this best on best i think it's mm. more fun to have eight full-on nations and you have two gimmick teams so i named one of my gimmick teams it's the under 20 team north america right the other gimmick team is is world senior team so it's all players that are not under under, under nhl contracts uh-huh. But can be from any country in the world, so it's like the yeah. senior men's squad. I call it. Okay. So you could have like Eric Stahl and Yarmer Yager on the team, Ooh. for example, right? So mm. guys like that that are playing anywhere around the world that's not in the NHL. Mm. So those are my changes. It's a ten-team tournament now, two circus teams, eight countries. Nice. I'm going to uh, have some fun with this and say you do it March Madness style, single elimination, sixty-four teams. Oh yes. Bracket based on double IHF rankings. So your first game Woo! is Canada versus like, you know, Lithuania or like Mexico. I don't know who the 64th ranked team country is. Uh, but yeah, maybe just because, you know, you're assembling these teams and it's a lot of work. Maybe you do like a home and home kind of thing. Uh, just and you do it on aggregate. Not that it's going to matter for a lot of them, but um, just for the potential of some wild upsets when like one team doesn't really show up or whatever. Yes, yes. Brackets, that would be amazing. I want to look up because I want to see something because here's what I'm curious. And looking up the IHF rankings to see. 55 teams are in the rankings. Singapore is number 55. 55. There's over 70 teams that actually 
play competitive hockey. Right. So pull into the Platinum Cup, you know, tournament. Check out the uh, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Because what I'm wondering is, if you go that far down, so so Philippines 54, Singapore 55. Mm. When do you reach? Where do you reach a point where the players are? Their, their skating is not good enough for them to be safe. So it's like, that's a good are you going to send Connor McDavid out against a team with players that might not be safe out there and they're yeah. either swinging their sticks or who, who knows? Like, if you're that far down right. the rankings, can you play a normal, safe game of hockey? So maybe you do a 32 team bracket oh. just for the sake of. So who's 32? All right, 32. Although, I'm, hey, I'm not saying I don't want your 64. Right. I'm still it's in. China. It's China. There you go. Of course so, well, we're going to get that in the Olympics. Yeah. But, hey, I'm still in for your 64. Yeah. I'm saying yeah. it might be, there might be carnage, but I still want it. I'm yes. in. I'm yeah. absolutely in. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're going to finish off this episode with the rapid fire game. Ryan, you are the host. I okay. am as ready as I'm going to be. I'm very excited about this rapid fire because I think this is going to be one of the best ones ever. So, we're going to kick it off. Best name. In women's hockey. So not your favorite women's hockey player. What's the best name? Hmm. Active or inactive? Uh, whatever. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to say... I'm going to say... I, I, I don't know why I always like Madison Packer as a name. It just sounds like mm. someone who can pack a punch. It's got, mm. it's got an onomatopoeia to it. Sure. So Madison Packer is my pick. Nice. Mine is Jincy Dunn. Uh, that's my cellar door from Donnie Darko. I just love saying Jincy Dunn. Uh, honorable mention, Cheyenne Darkangelo. Amazing. I don't know how Darkangelo is a last name, but it's an amazing it sounds name. Sounds like a Star Wars villain. Kind of. Yeah. 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 Okay. Adam Driver or Lee Pace? You get no other information. Adam Driver, 10 times out of 10. No disrespect to really? Lee Pace. I think he's fine, but he hasn't really broken through as a star. Adam Driver's got that. Je ne sais quoi. Man, have you seen Foundation yet? I have not. Okay, Lee Pace is huge in Foundation. Yeah, I'm still. But I, shout out to Empire. I but I I also feel ownership over Adam Driver when okay. he was on Girls. I remember saying this this guy's got something special. He's mm. going to be a star. He's going to be a guy who's in prestige movies down the road. Wow, and I was right. I said that in season one. There you go. Yeah. All right. I respectfully disagree. Lee Pace, Foundation, also Halt and Catch Fire, mm-hmm. which I haven't huge. seen. I hear it's great. And he's Ooh, also he's running the, in the accuser, and he was running the accuser. Yeah. He's a tall drink of water. Okay. NHL City that you have not been to that you would like to go to. Hmm. That's a great one. Hmm. Okay. That I've not been to. Um, obviously, you've been to Nashville. I'm trying to remember. Like, what cities have I not been to? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've not been to Dallas. I would like mm. to experience the Dallas, the, the humidity, but, you know, the food and just in, right. in general, it's a city that I've heard great things about. Never been to Dallas. Nice. Yes. I have been to Dallas. It was like 50 degrees out because it was the draft in the summer. Uh, sidebar, I think that the All-Star Game should always be in a warm weather city and the draft should always be in... Another city yeah. when it's always warm. I like that. Um, I've never been to Denver, and mm-hmm. I hear great things about Denver, so I would like to have an excuse to uh, go to Colorado. Great airport in Denver. Best, best like, cleanest, best-run airport I've encountered in my time. There Denver. you go. Okay, now time for our favorite game within a game. Oh, no. Ikea or metal oh, band? I built, I built an Ikea cabinet two days ago, so I'm ready. Okay, okay, okay. First one, Disphere. Ikea or metal band? Metal band. Correct. Yes. Disfear is a Swedish D-beat band. Stjarnstatus. Ikea or metal band? Okay, the, the status in the suffix make me, makes me think... I can't picture status in an, in an Ikea 
piece of Ikea furniture. I'm going to say metal band. Ikea. Oh. It is a French door refrigerator. <laughs> Vildkorn. Metal band or Ikea. We are Vildkorn. I'm going to say metal. No. Oh, come on. <laughs> that is the pillow that I just bought last week. <laughs> Nima. Ikea or metal band. I'm now, now I'm floundering. I'm like, <laughs> this is my favorite part of the yeah, game. I'm basically the guy. Like, I'm just keeping my chips on double zero now. You are Harvey Keitel and Bad Lieutenant. Uh, oh, yes. I, I get a triple down on Metal Man. Correct. Yes, I'm back. I'm, yes. I'm back, baby. 90s Michigan hardcore band. It's Amen spelled backwards. Ah. Stuck. Ikea or Metal Band. Okay. Stuck sounds like a metal band, which I think is a trap. I think stuck is an Ikea piece. You are correct. That is a storage product from Ikea. And finally, Amon Amarth. Ikea or metal band? Amon Amarth. I'm going to go metal band. That is correct. They are a metal band that pretend they are Vikings. Uh, You did pretty well there. You sort of fell apart in the middle, but uh, overall much better than last time. So I'm going to finish up with a softball just for you, although I can answer sort of. Oscar, Best Picture nominations came out. Are they the worst ever? Uh, or who you got? Let's, let's do that. Who you got? Yeah, I don't think they're the worst ever. I think a lot of people are upset about Spider-Man not getting, getting a Best Picture nom, but I think there's still too much of a recency bias. There's a huge emotional attachment to the story beats of that movie. I don't know for sure. I need to see it again to know if it's actually an elite movie. I don't know okay. 100% that it is. Especially because I watched a pirated copy. It was kind of hard to see. Uh, you know, I don't think they're the worst ever. People love to hate on Don't Look Up. I like Don't Look Up. Okay. Uh, I think they are, uh, the last couple of years we've gone back to very artsy-fartsy, which mm-hmm. sometimes can be good, but I think, um, you know, movies like Belfast, there's a, there's a pace to that movie that's not for everybody. Mm. And same with Power of the Dog. Um, mm. But I think they're fine. I think they're fairly standard Oscar fare overall. Gotcha. And who you got? To win Best Picture? Yes. Um, I think Belfast has got a lot of momentum. Uh, again, I, I, could, I watched it and I was like, I know this is a well-made movie and it's Kenneth Branagh's life story. Mm. Uh, and he set a record for most nominations by one person in different, seven different categories, I think it wow. is. So based on how many categories were nom- it was nominated for, I think Belfast is going to win. Um, not that it would necessarily be my pick. Mm. Uh, I really liked King Richard. Hmm. I saw none of these movies, uh, so I'm just going to say Licorice Pizza because I like Paul Thomas Oh, Anderson. I can't wait to see it. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. I really want to see it. Yeah, so I'm a terrible person to ask this, which is why I asked you the question. That's the end of Rapid Fire. All right, I also want to see Drive My Car here. It's awesome. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for the Rapid Fire. This concludes the Olympic Preview Podcast. We will see you next time. I can feel-